Check this out. Earlier this week, man, not earlier this week, last week, beginning of last week. Okay, hold up. Let me back up. Let me back up. Oh, shit. Have either. Shut up. Come on, dog. Oh, shit. Have either either one of you guys done a fucking COVID test? I did one today. Okay. Okay. Crush. I've I've heard about it. I haven't been through it. Okay. Okay. Understood. I I get it. Not everybody. People are taking the proper precautions, washing their hands, staying socially distant, all that stuff. So I get it. I get not everybody's going for that. But my kid, my my daughter got sick. So in order to make sure everybody was good to go, we went and got tests done. So my wife and my my son went to go get their tests first. Right. And then the following couple days afterwards, I went to go get my test. So I pull up to the test center and I'm in my car, I pulled out my mask and the lady was like, okay, I'm gonna need you to put your head back put and head I'm back, gonna baby. use the swab. My guy. Bruh, let me tell you. Let me, let me, let me just tell you, and. First and foremost, before we continue, I am an I'm an African. I am a proud Nigerian. It was one of my sisters that was in conducting this <laughs> this test. Yeah. I mean, there one of your, there one is one word. One of there, there, there's my one word. There's one rather profane word I would use to describe it. Perhaps. Listen, I, I, I you know what? I want to use that word, but I will not use that word because I'm I'm conscientious of. The society that we can you, can you guess which word it is so, so, here's, so here's what happened so she said okay I'm gonna need you to toss your head back and I'm gonna give you this swab she was about two millimeters from tickling my goddamn brainstem. I swear to god my eyeball was hurting when she took that swab out right and I'm sitting there in this in my car feeling violated and I look at her with tears in my eyes and she says you can go and i looked at her and i was like i'm trying to compose myself because i like i said i felt completely violated at this moment i'm still trying to gather myself before i turn the car on gather way. yourself listen as she turns to me listen as she turns to me with the accent and says excuse me i said you can go I'm like, damn, you couldn't put money on the, on the counter for me to take a cab home? You wasn't going to buy me lunch or nothing? After you just did all that to me, you going to just dismiss me like that? You just dismiss I'm so, me. I'm so disappointed in you, bro. Yeah, that, man. I don't even hear nothing from man, you, my guy. Because when I saw you, when I talked to you just a medical morning, procedure. When I talked to you earlier this morning, you looked flustered. You had sweat trickling on your brow. He was, I was red, and I was, <laughs> I was no, looking, hold on, hold on. I'm looking at this dude like, what the fuck is this nigga high or something? Like, what the hell is he looking like that for? And he's like, uh, I just got my my COVID test done. I said, Oh, okay. <laughs> I understand. Crush, <laughs> so you I'm trying to play bad, like bro. you're tough right now, my guy. 
It wasn't that bad. Man, shut up. You don't look like that after just some regular test, man. I've gone through other tests. You know, hold up. Before we even do all that, you know what it's oh, like being former military. You know what in um what do they call it? Induction, the uh entry period is like when you go to boot camp. Sure. You got sure. all of the tests. Oh, bro, that, that was test? worse. My that test, God. That- I take all bro. those tests two times what? over to get me. I'm just trying to tell you, this woman had no qualms. <laughs> bro, about, this test was like, not, it wasn't even 30 seconds, bro. Dog, this woman had wait, wait, no is, qualms is it, about scrambling my brains, man. Wait, wait, is, it, is it just a swab or? Crush, it's a swab. In, no, and did they pull it out? It's swab a swab that is like eight inches long. And that, <laughs> this oh. woman, she showed it. Like so I didn't far. get that swab. Man. <laughs> You know what? I think maybe, maybe it's because where you where you go to get the the, the test done, but they care, they care about you over there. This was yeah, just, just the general public. I'm so disappointed in you, bro. Man, listeners, go why, get your. Why, is it, why is it when I am expressing my pain to you that you always gotta be this type of dude? Why, bro? I'm gonna tell you what it is. It's incredibly uncomfortable by the the depths of your nostrils that it goes in. I mean, oh, it yeah. does go all the way back in there, and it immediately causes you to either want to sneeze plus cry at the same time. So wait, I mean, how do they prevent accidents from happening here? They tell you sit on your hands in some cases because they did it to my son. My son damn near had a heart attack. My wife was like, "That shit is not a joke." So they tell you. Sit on your hands if you have to. Mm-hmm. Brace for it because they're going to go up in there. Yeah. But you know I what's funny though? This is bro, this. I punch you in the mouth. Like, listen, but this is very unusual though because if we're doing this type of test, I have a homie. Shout out to Ronnie, Master Barber. Uh, he's from the Dominican Republic. He just went home to go see his parents. He said they he did some trick. He he said they back. did a. <laughs> Ronnie opened up a shop over there. Ronnie's the beauty. He's just like in the middle. <laughs> he came back. He said that they did a prick on his thumb, took his blood, and maybe like three or four days later, they had the results back. What? I know what that there's enough. I know they have another one that they do a mouth swab. I get mine is, back tomorrow. Which is the t- huh? I'll get mine back tomorrow. Yours is relative, but you you're at the VA though, man. They, you guys yeah, don't play the rapid test. Yeah, y'all got the rapid joint. Hell yeah! But you know what's funny? That the the mouth swab is the one that they were doing for the NBA players, and that thing comes back in like 24 hours. 24 hours. It's so, just so, it's just way more expensive. So is so wait, are we getting the cheapest test possible? With, the with ones the that they're doing for the general public is the, the cheaper <laughs> of the ones. Yes. Because yes. if you're doing the mouth swab, the the mouth swab is the one that they're issuing to many universities right now. Because I, I bet you, the turnaround is like you, I bet you, rich people, this guy go pink here. <laughs> yeah, take your DNA out, like, out out here. <laughs> and that's a whole conversation, bro, of the the economic component of who gets what tests. Uh, the, 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 yeah. level of the level of false treatment positive. that some people are getting. Yeah, man, that's that's. You know what? We're trying to we're trying to get uh, Doctor Earl Benjamin Robinson on the show next week. Hopefully, he can help us to talk about uh, talk about the whole impact of the the financial impact of it and what's the differences between the tests that are currently available. Because I know in the hood, 
you just getting you just getting the thing shut no swap like yeah, no swap and nah, it's a done deal yo there have to be some there have to be some injuries out there there have to be some injuries out there there has to be a certain percentage of COVID test injuries there have to be somebody somebody it went is, off bro. somebody went off somebody flicked off somebody did. somebody's auntie somebody's nephew bro. My mom, she she works. She works. Uh, she's a manager for different homes uh, that house people with special abilities or disabilities. Excuse me. And her job says that if you, when you leave, if they find out that somebody, anybody within the homes, because she has to visit different uh, different homes, has gotten it, that she has to do the test and be quarantined for at least two weeks. She said, "Fuck all that. I'm gonna just stay my ass in the house. I'll, I'll manage you guys from a distance." I said, because she's like, I'm not doing the test. She said the first time they did it, she said she damn near passed out. And I was like, mom, it couldn't be that bad. It couldn't be that I bad. I can see why people would feel that way. Yeah. It's yeah. invasive. It's a really invasive test. It is. Very it invasive. Is. It is. And I'm hoping that I would think that almost what? Nine months into this whole thing that we would have been able to figure out a more efficient way or have, nope. excuse me, have a more efficient way publicly and readily available. But... Nope. The most it uncomfortable, is. cheapest test in the world. We, 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 it is what it is, and it still takes it still takes you like four days to to get a result back. So think yeah, about right, that. You exactly. still if you infected, and it takes you four days to get your results back. How many people you've infected before you actually have to quarantine? Anyway, yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's up? What's up? What is up back once again it is the incredible in the black podcast and in case you weren't aware this is a podcast dedicated to covering the current events and social issues going on in your black world and covering it all from the perspective of three grown-ass men who know that uh we know a lot of things let's, let's just leave it at that um <laughs> i was gonna say something but i'm, I'm, I'm gonna leave it alone because you know you always got l giving me the dirty look it's, it's, and i am your host big oh mr in the black himself, but you know as usual <laughs> i can never do this alone. Let me introduce the rest of uh who do you guys want to be tonight? Alive. Shit. <laughs> <For> sure. <laughs> Let me introduce the rest of Mob Deep. Crush, say what's up. What's good, everybody? No doubt. L, was that sufficient for you? No, nah, man, listen, that's cool. I mean, one of them's not here, but okay, hey. How y'all doing? <laughs> L, say what's up, man. What's up, family? How y'all doing? <laughs> no doubt. And if you're checking this out on YouTube, please make sure you hit that thumbs up button. It goes a long way. And make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss out on the next video. And of course, follow us across social media at In the Black PDCST on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. But as normally, L, we got to tell these good folks how they can become part of the family, man. Hey man, slide on over to not my DMs. Slide on over to www. <laughs> man, I got me. Hey, listen, man. Quarantine got people acting funny as shit out here. Uh, www.intheblackpodcast. And in the right hand corner, man, you can click to become a member, become a family member tab. There you can find swag. You can find a way to sign up for our Patreon, where there's all types of mystery guests and mystery gifts that you can come to <laughs> or you can simply just donate man uh you can send money to our cash shop that would be dollar sign in the black pd cst let me get that cash shop out one more time 
<laughs> dollar sign in the black PDCST. Uh, nothing's too small, nothing's too big. Send it off. Tonight, what we're going to do, we're going to, of course, jump into the black box. We have a, an incredible guest. We have two incredible guests actually coming up. Uh, we're going to start a segment called So What You Do, uh, spotlighting folks that have professions that aren't typical to Black Americans. So I'm really excited about that. Dr. Christy Scott is going to be joining us for that. And we also have our conversation coming up with Jasmine A. Robinson, an entrepreneur uh, attorney, uh, later on as she talks about why there's only 5% of attorneys are black in the United States. So I'm really excited about that as well. Uh, but before all of that, let's go ahead and jump into the black box for this week. Uh, maybe about around four o'clock today, I got a message from a homie named Desmond. Desmond Gates sent me an article saying, uh, talking about the alleged and attempted kidnapping of the governor of Michigan by two militia groups in Michigan. Um, all Desmond said was, check this out. I know y'all gonna talk about this white foolishness. So yeah, we're gonna talk about. So and unless you've been living under a rock, earlier today, the FBI and other authorities from the state of Michigan came out and talked about an FBI plot that thwarted an attempted, or excuse me, alleged kidnapping of the governor of Michigan, as well as plot stopping the attempted plots of destroying or blowing up several federal facilities in Michigan, as well as going on a cop killing rampage, all in an effort to spark a civil war. Uh, this is one of the actual attorney generals from the state of Michigan. Let's take a listen to what he has to say. Last night, the FBI and Michigan State Police arrested six individuals charged in a federal complaint with conspiring to kidnap the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer. According to the complaint unsealed this morning, Adam Fox, Barry Croft, Ty Garbin, Caleb Franks, Daniel Harris, and Brandon Caserta conspired to kidnap the governor from her vacation home in the Western District of Michigan before the November election. Under federal law, each of these individuals faces a term of any number of years up to life in prison if convicted. Fox, Garvin, Franks, Harris, and Caserta are residents of Michigan. Croft is a resident of Delaware. All of us standing here today want the public to know that federal and state law enforcement are committed to working together to make sure violent extremists never succeed with their plans. So I know that the both of you are familiar with this foolishness. Uh, it's been all over social media and the news. Uh, so what do you guys think, man? Who wants to go first? Um, you know, considering um, the behavior and the actions of people in the past four or five, six months, um, and uh, you know other recent events, um, I'm, uh, I'm I'm not surprised that a militia would try to make a move. Um, I just didn't realize that they had to actually, you know, 
operate try to operationalize a plan before the FBI decides to uh, 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 criminalize them. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm just uh, I'm stunned at, uh, uh, at at the extent that they wanted to go. They you know they they really you know that, that the motive was civil war. Um, I don't know how realistic that goal was with what they had in mind. If it felt like you know they're trying to plot out a like some kind of movie, but uh, there was definitely some insanity going on there. Um, I, I'm this is probably you know the one time when uh, I guess you can be thankful for what the cops did for the FBI you know, catching on to this. But I can only imagine you know if uh, if any part of this plan actually went into into motion, um, what the reaction would have been. It would have been you know it would have been complete. Complete chaos, complete madness out there. L, I just uh, man, listen, white people ain't shit. Uh, this is just bananas, bro. This is indicative of uh, the Michigan militia, who were the same same jackasses who not too long ago were trying to run up in the state building complaining about wearing masks and all that other type of shit but for them to have the audacity to do that i think that is incredibly telling that they were actually formulating a plot to kidnap a governor of a state in the united states now let's say for instance that if this happened to be I don't know. Black Lives Matter organization who did the same shit. Can you imagine the fury that the government would have levied upon black folks in this country if it would have happened to be somebody in the Black Lives Matter or one of the other black extremist groups in this country if we had to pull some shit like that to actually attempt to kidnap the governor to threaten to bomb other places Bruh, that's terrorism. That is terrorism. And this is the type of shit that we be complaining about as black folks. The difference in between whether white folks can do some shit and get away with it and whether black folks can do it and get away with it. I find it absolutely fascinating that this story is not getting near the attention that I personally feel like it deserves to get. This should be headline, breaking news, top of the hour. Across you know, the globe. And you, across the globe. And you notice something. It's funny because when he's reading the names of other people, I, like every other black person in America, was listening for a Jackson Johnson Smith <laughs> <laughs> Listen, dude, what okay, is I'll, just be the one say I'll just be the one to say we were all listening to see if it had a possibility of a black name in that six and when it didn't have one we all sat back and said the same thing Woo! white people ain't shit it's fascinating man that I'm, I'm waiting for your boy in the Oval Office to come out and, and condemn this sort of terroristic <laughs> act. Condemn? I, I'm waiting for him to, to come out. Or but again, or is he gonna to, come out and say before this? These are Literally. these Literally. are some really good people who, you know, were exercised. Yo, this is serious shit, man. 
He told them to liberate. These were trying to. Yeah. They were trying to kidnap a governor, bruh. I can't believe it. And blow up buildings. And try to start a war. How, let me ask this question: How come this is not treason? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> yeah. I mean, okay. if you threaten to start a civil war in America, yeah. I'm maybe just curious about how. Maybe they, maybe, not, they de- right. maybe they declare their sovereignty. Who knows? Nah, there's not that much sovereignty in the world, man. For that. <laughs> but real, real talk, man. I think the most interesting part is that I don't think enough people are using the correct term to describe these people. What we're continuing to see over and over and over again are people referring to them as just a militia group, which by technical just, definition just, is correct. Just a militia group. Just militia group. Technically, that's correct, though. I, I get it. But they are terrorists. Let's use that word. Terrorists. You've got to be called. If we've been told for how long that words matter, if words matter the way we've been told that they matter, then God damn it, go ahead and call them terrorists because that's essentially what they did. Man, There's no other way to describe these it, folks. These people no. actually went to the extent one, once the governor, Governor Whitmer of Michigan, when she implemented the lockdown and the mask mandate. This is when these yeah. multiple militias came together to stake out this plot. Multiple. They've been plotting this thing since like the end of February, beginning of March. I heard masks were a part of this too. Because of masks. These oh same militia God. people are the I ones can't... that showed up at the courthouse. Because of the mandate. And ran up in the courthouse, bro. Ran up in the courthouse and of threatened these with politicians guns. with guns and threatened the po- basically intimidating over, over the politicians. Masks. Over mass. Now let me ask Over you. Mass. Let me ask you this. This is not the first time that things like this has happened, right? We've got right. uh, Timothy McVeigh. That's one. Dylan Terrorism. Ruth in his manifesto. The same thing he said Terrorism. after he killed those nine people. He said he was doing it to incite a civil or race civil war. War. Same thing. Yep. This whole tale and- reads like something out of Donnie Brasco. They had undercover informants and some whole and the whole nine. Apparently, the undercover informant that they had said that they were plan. He was down with them causing a ruckus, blowing up buildings, and even to the extent of kidnapping the governor, right? But they yeah, yeah. then implemented another part where they said we're going to be killing police officers, and that's when he said, "Oh, that's a bridge too far for me." They drew the line at Let me go ahead and snitch on these. <laughs> I want to make sure that that's clear too, right? They pushed, they put this dude, they put this dude deep undercover with wires in the whole nine to have to record these folks. They were building IEDs, my guy. Successfully test built and tested IEDs. Remember, most of these militia members are former war veterans. So they're taking their war, they're taking their US government training. To use like, say that one listen, more time, my guy. Not, say that one US more time because we training. because we know we know folks serving in the military. We know people that were gung ho like that. They were, we thought and that these people should have been screened be out. Terrorism. It should be terrorism. I don't understand why they're watering it down and turning it into making it so much more palatable. They, like they, they, they love controlling their own narrative. They love it. It's but this is not even a, a narrative that makes us look bad. It's like yo. They were planning on doing some horrendous shit to the country. Like, 
They didn't say we were going to be killing black folks specifically. They were specific about blowing up federal they to tear down the government. Yeah, they, hold up. Trees. But let's, let's, let's stop and let's, let's, let's just stop man, and think, though, man. Shit. These motherfuckers plotted to kidnap and kill the governor of Michigan. The governor of Michigan. Because they were pissed off that they had to stay home and wear masks, my guy. We can't even get people to stop killing us in the streets and we marching and they're getting upset. And they plotted to kidnap the governor and kill her. That was their effort. Not just the governor, but then once again, I got to repeat for all those all lives matters folks. Got it, got it, go out gotta, into gotta the streets the and there. kill police kill officers. Police officers. And see, the fucked up part about it is America let these motherfuckers get away with it when they ran Hands up into down. the, the one federal more time, building. When they ran up into the federal building, they let armed people run up into a into federal building, building yes, and demand yes. and refuse to leave while yes. everybody who was of any sort of authority stood around. So, listen, you let the motherfuckers get the leg built up. It. And you built, you built this built monster, man. You built this monster, man. But you worried about Black yes, Lives Matter? I know. Nah, no, 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 no. Antifa is the real the real culture. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. Antifa. Bro, listen. To kidnap and kill a governor of a United States state. The, uh, listen, I don't understand why this is not the biggest news that we have heard in the longest time. And then to say that you're going to go out and, and again, I'm not one who likes to compare what black folks are going through with what white folks are going through. I hate that comparison shit. But if Black Lives Matter or the brothers who were marching around with guns in Georgia wouldn't have gotten caught and it would have came out that they had decided they were going to kidnap the mayor or the, the governor of Georgia and kill her, then start blowing up buildings and then on top of that, kill cops? Bro, do you, do you know the fury that they would have rained down? Listen, I think one of the most interesting parts about this is the fact that not too long ago, when they first initially pushed their ways into the uh, government building or to uh, a state hall or whatever you want to call it, federal building mm -hmm. in, in Michigan, they asked the president, they asked uh, Trump, so what are your thoughts on these people that are occupying the state building armed? Occupying. That, that's what, occupying. Yep. I want to make no, sure to stress no, that. Occupying yeah. the state building that are armed and intimidating these uh, state uh, politicians. He said, I think that they're just, I think they're good people. I think that they're just really upset and their governor needs to change their, change their ways, uh, change their ways. That's why they're so upset. Was, That's why they're occupying. Obsessed? He said, they're just upset. They're upset. And they're, and they're good people. Mind you, then shortly after that, what does he do? He then starts tweeting, liberate Wisconsin, liberate Virginia, liberate Michigan all in an effort to stir up some bullshit, right? And listen, so now here you, we are, how many months after the fact, and we find out that this this plot yeah, has been months in the making, months in the making, almost exclusively since his damn tweets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to call it, man, because to be very honest with you, as much as we're seeing it on the news now, we're seeing it everywhere for right now, 
before the weekend, today is Thursday, before the weekend is over, I would even say before Saturday's up, we're not going to see this on the news any longer. We're not. And that's the unfortunate part, because I don't, don't forget, not too long ago, there was some guy that got hemmed up in D.C. There was a Trump MAGA guy riding around in a van that had all sorts of weapons and pipe bombs and stuff in his vehicle, and they hemmed him up. That storyline lasted for like three or four days, and that was the end of it. There was another guy that was a former military person, former Navy guy, that they hemmed yep. up. Same, they said he had, he by himself had enough guns and ammunitions to field a small army. He intended to come to DC and light it up. up. You didn't even hear nothing about it. You don't even know what the court dates are, what their punishments were, no nothing. It was just a story for a hot minute and then it disappeared. Now here we have multiple militia groups, six directly involved in the planning, a total of almost 15 that were involved some sort of way in helping Jeez. to make this happen. God damn. And it's going to get brushed under the rug. And the worst part about it is there are going to be white people to come out and justify this nonsense. We already know it. We've seen this story before. We've seen this movie before. Ain't nothing changed. But she That's the didn't come out. About she didn't come out and was she was very gentle in her comments she was about it. But you she know what I think, what? dude? Sometimes that might be PTSD, man. You find out somebody was like almost effective in kidnapping you, coming to one of your homes that damn you don't close. pretty damn close, very close. And this is not a big deal, apparently. They were upset. She they were just upset. Nice. They were just upset. Must must be nice to have that type of privilege in your life, man. We're already hearing that they're supposed to be getting life sentences, possibly 20 years per more per the counts and all that other stuff. That's another story for another day. We're going to go ahead and jump on when, when the news finally finds a way to emerge. But at this point, man, uh, like I said, I don't know how to call it. It'll be a different story by, by Sunday. We'll see something. Anyway. All right. Right now, we're about to be joined by a special guest. Uh, she is an economist, one of the few black economists in America. I would say, God, I think, I think that's fair enough. I didn't I'm know there was. I'm gonna let her come out I, I and just, say it. I'm, I'm gonna let her all come white out. men. Yeah, it, it, it might just be Doctor Christy Scott. Doctor Scott, thank you for coming on. Thank you for being with oh, us. We chill. really appreciate okay. it. Thank you, up, thank you, thank you, thank you. What's up, Doc? Hey. Okay. okay. Hi. So, I'm, Hey, 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 before we get started, I want to make sure uh, that I'm here. We go. Hey, here we go. You about let me, to fuck me, it up. Me, go ahead. Let me, let me. Okay, thank you. Oh. So, before we get started, there are three things that I typically do not allow on this show. Okay? <sighs> Which one is she? Listen, one, the light skins. Two, That's not me. Listen, two, Kappas. And three, AKAs. But as you can see from my guests, uh, excuse me, my hosts here, you see that I've wo failed woefully in one of those departments. And I failed again with you coming on the show because, you know, skeet, skeet, Bro, skeet, or whatever you guys be saying. What is your me. problem with the AKAs? What's, what's your problem with Because them? AKAs you, ain't nothing but shenaniganizers, problem causers, so and all of that. Problem causers. And you know the worst part about it is? <laughs> oh, we don't. Go ahead I and rub it in. I'm, I'm conversing with Dr. Scott, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Can you send me a headshot so we can use? And she sends me the headshot, and in the headshot, what does she have? She has on an AKA necklace. By that time, it was too late to tell her she couldn't be on the show. 
So, I wouldn't so, call it failing. I'd call Excuse it, me, what, what? What'd you say? I wouldn't call it failing. I'd call it progressing. Look at you, making strides. <laughs> <laughs> Well, welcome to the show, Dr. Scott. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Please come yes. back again. Please. Welcome, Thank to, the show. welcome you. to the show. Now, you are a an, a an economist that works in the executive branch. Mm-hmm. Um, there aren't too many black economists as far as I'm aware. Can we pause uh, for a second? What the hell is an economist? How we, how you know what? Let's, yeah, you know what? Let's go ahead and start there. Tell before we before you tell us what an economist is. Please tell the folks a little bit about yourself, your background, and that sort of thing. We'll start from there. How about that? Yeah. Okay, y'all. Um, so, hey, everybody. Um, I'm Christy. I am originally from Chicago. I'm a Southside girl. Um, I went to uh, The Ohio State University for undergrad. <laughs> got my Bachelor of Science. Don't laugh. <laughs> Bachelor of Science in Agribusiness and Applied Economics. Um, I then went on to B school at a small um, school back in Chicago called Benedictine University. And then in 2011, I had the amazing idea to um, get my PhD. Um, So I went to Georgia um, and got my PhD. I defended in 2015. So a little over five years now and uh, a PhD in consumer economics. So um, I'm a football girl, Ohio State and Georgia. Um, Mm. So I have mixed feelings about kind of what's happening right now. Um, I am a woman of Alpha Kappa Alpha Authority Incorporated. My condolences. Paul is ski wee. Skeet, 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 or whatever it is, y'all. Yeah, that's so disrespectful, bro. God, oh, so disrespectful. So disrespectful, man. Apologize. I, I apologize for him. Don't I'll apologize for do me. That, she knows damn well that it's true. I told her that uh, if she can tell me where the dogs is, on you. I'll take it back. All right, can we? Let's, let's. <laughs> what? So you're a college football fan? I am a college football fan. How are you feeling about everything that's going on in college football right now? It's mixed feelings because... Um, I, this time of year is very nostalgic. Like (laughs) Thursday through Sunday, it's not really just college. I also like the NFL, but Thursday through Sunday, I'm, I'm, I got something to watch. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, my boys, Ohio State's actually coming back in two, two weeks, in three weeks, two or three weeks. Um, Georgia is already playing. Um, And and it's it's nice to see it, but it's still different. And also, scary because of because of my professional background, I am concerned about the health of the players. So, True. It, six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. Like I watch it, and then I turn it off, and then I watch it, and then I turn it off. Okay, but tell us a little bit. Of, tell us a little better. bit about your background, since since you, I mean, you, since you let it there. Why why you're concerned? Like, I mean, all of them going to get the cooties anyway. So, I mean. Jeez, dude! <laughs> How many oh, NFL players have already got so negative? <laughs> Yo, Texas wife crush, please. Don't do that. He's on one tonight. Don't do that. Crazy. That's but, me usually. Go I know, right? No, but go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Go ahead and tell us. Tell us a little bit more about your background. Yeah. So after. 
after I defended my dissertation, I went and did a postdoc at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which everyone knows as the CDC. Um, so even though I'm an economist um, by trade, my subject matter background is public health. Mm. And um, so that makes me a health economist. That's that's my work. And um, so even though I love football, I am also thinking about the long-term health implications, not only for the players, but kind of what that's going to look like um, really for our for our economy, for our society in the long term, right? There are definitely short-term um, impacts, but, um, but I kind of like to look at things as far out as I possibly can. Um, that was actually one of the things that I learned or taught myself from my dissertation work. And that is that um, generally as a society um, in America, we tend to have high discount rates, which means that we tend to look at things that are right in front of us. So if we can't see what's immediately in front of us, sort of this high this very quick return on, on um, investment, then we don't normally act based on things that are further out. And so that's typically the way that I think about things. Yes, they're playing now, it's entertaining now, in five years and 10 years, because COVID-19 is novel, right? It's very new. We we have no idea what the health implications are yeah. of this yeah. disease into the future. So those are the things that I'm thinking about all while trying to enjoy the game. So very torn sometimes. Okay. Now, what made you even think about becoming an economist in the first place? Like I said, there aren't very many Black economists, black like that. Yes. black yes. female ones to even be more specific. So, what made you even venture down that road? Yeah, I thought I know the other two. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> the other two, shout out to uh, Dr. Keetra Rice and Dr. Carice Campbell. We Bam. both, all three of us, two, our, our postdocs together at CDC. Um, but, um, I'd actually just finished B school. Um, at Benedictine, and I was done with school. I was done. And um, 2009 and 2010 hit, and a number of my good friends' mothers were passing away, kind of like mm. back, back, dropping like flies. And these women were early mid 50s, mm. and they were black women. Mm. And because I was born and raised and I lived at the time on the South side of Chicago, this is kind of what I saw often. Mm. All while reading articles that talked about other cultures, particularly um, let's say Japanese culture. At that time, Japan had the highest number of centenarians in the world. Right now, the United States has the highest, um, but they have a higher rate and they have a higher rate of people living over the age of 65. Oh, and shit. so I saw all of us suffering from all of these um, chronic illnesses and comorbidities, and I didn't understand why. And so just starting to ask that question and think about the things that I liked and that I was good at. So I like food and raise your hand. If, okay. 
<laughs> I liked food and I was also pretty good um, at quantitative things, right? I didn't really know if I was going to be good at econ. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know a PhD in consumer economics was a thing. It was mm. just a series of long Google searches. Mm. A, lot of, a lot of holes, rabbit holes I fell down. So I ended up applying to one school um, and got in, got funding and decided to go. And now I didn't go knowing that I wanted to be an economist though, because I didn't know what economists did. And I made it through three years of the program, still not knowing. I just, I knew I wanted to do something to help address what I saw was an issue. And, um, and it wasn't until I, I was preparing for my comprehensive exams, which during a PhD program is sort of the, the hump that you have to go over between taking your coursework and then starting to write your dissertation. Sure. And I was writing my comps and I was like, wait a minute. Do people like do this and get paid for it? Because I was doing it and suffering. Because a PhD is nothing but haze, okay? So I thought someone's got to do this, the stuff, and also get paid for it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started thinking about it. And then I started thinking about, do people do this for the government? Because those are the people who are making decisions about Public programs. Yeah, the end of affecting policy. Yep. Exactly. Do people do this? Turns out people do this. Mm. And that's how I got. That's how I got into it. Interesting. Interesting. As an economist, as a female economist, as a black female economist, what have been the pitfalls or the challenges that you faced that say somebody like Robert Reich wouldn't be facing? Yeah. Somebody who's white. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone else. Um, yeah. I say, I'd say, and, and this was more so my experience in grad school, right? Because even though you're a PhD student, as you continue to matriculate through the program, you essentially become what it is you are, you aim to be, you might not be getting paid for it, but you are then a trained that. So if someone is in a psychology program, they are a trained psychologist just Mm -hmm. in school, right? And so um, some of the pitfalls that I experienced were, I guess the biggest one was a lack of support, unfortunately. Um, And a lot of um, my, you know, fellow Black women PhDs have experiences in in different in different subject matter areas. It's not mm. econ. Econ is specifically kind of um, cut through, if you will. I'm sorry. But um but there's a I had I had my major professor my second year tell me I went into his office to ask him a question for help. I and he I had him tell me that I was going to be the one that mm. I was also the only black woman enrolled in the PhD program at the time. Actually, the only black person because the other black person, the other black gentleman, quit after the second semester. He so, said, "Fuck all that." Yeah, he 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 wasn't with it. Um, 
And then, you know, what happened was there was a lack of support. There were things that I wanted to do that, you know, the faculty and the administration really didn't support me on. I was never right. invited on on research papers. So I, I taught myself how to do research. I was never invited to present research at a conference. I did that myself. So it was it was interesting because that was a major pitfall. I saw many of my classmates get scooped up and taken under the wing of these faculty and I just watched them, right? Wow. But that also gave me the opportunity to blaze a trail for myself. Hmm. And what that result was, I was the first person in my PhD program to land the Prevention Effectiveness Fellowship at CDC, which is mm. arguably the most rigorous uh, and competitive quantitative econ postdoc in the country. Wow. And so, and so, you know, it's, it's the pitfalls are there. Um, I was just very fortunate to be able to trans to transfer those. And then interestingly enough, as soon as I went federal, <clears throat> I got this amazing amount of support from people of every race, right? It was nothing at CDC for people to walk around with multiple PhDs, with an MD and a, uh, and a MPH. I was colleagues with uh, a young lady who had a PhD and a doctor of veterinary medicine degree. I mean, and she was Puerto Rican. It, she still is Puerto Rican. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's rough, but shit. Yeah, <laughs> um, but, you know, I was really fortunate to be in that space. And I understand that that's not really a normal space. But, you know, a lot of um, Black women advanced degree with advanced degrees or with PhDs, not just in econ, kind of have this feeling of a lack of support, right? They, they're told that they're not going to finish the program. They really don't fit. You shouldn't be here. Um, I don't really know how you're going to finish. You're going to need handholding essentially a, a, you're not good enough to complete the degree. And, you know, what those people don't know that I knew was that a PhD is less about being smart and it's more about patience and persistence. And you got to do it and keep doing it until you get it right. And there it is. So, hmm. yeah. So, Doc, what, what can be done to shit uh to create a supportive environment for the sisters who are coming up now who are pursuing that what what can be put in place is anything in place now to support sisters when they're coming and making that move because that's damn there yeah. there probably are um I'm, i may not be privy to all of them what i am doing personally though because i'm not aware mm -hmm. of all of those is sure I reach back out to my department. There's actually a young woman um, by the name of Portia Johnson, who is currently a PhD student in my department at Georgia. Um, and we, we text each other all the time. And I told her, you call me whenever, you text me whenever, um, and I will put her in touch with people that, that I think might help her. I might send her opportunities for funding that I think she might be interested in. Hmm. It's mm -hmm. really about making these connections because I, I, I had one major connection and I made that connection myself. Um, her name is Dr. Kari Cartwright. 
she's not an economist, but she's um, on faculty at Georgia and she was at CDC for a time. I just walked up to her and said, <laughs> hey, you look like you've made it. Mm. <laughs> I'm just trying to make it. <laughs> um, and so she was like, absolutely. And it's, I think it really starts with those kind of individual relationships. I'm sure you could do something on the larger scale, um, but, um, but yeah, I, what I'm doing is creating these one-to-one relationships with young ladies. Um, so being a unicorn in your field, right. And I think we talked about this very briefly when we had our one-on-one earlier this week about you not coming in and being the stuffy economist, right. Being the unicorn in your field, as you're working with your other professionals, with these peers, do you find yourself, I know all of us have to do a little bit of code switching here and there, but do you find yourself having to fall back because of the environment? I, I know that it's a it's a dicey thing. Just based off what you just explained now, it seems like unless you've been tested and gone through the fire, nobody really wants to deal with it. So how, how, does, how does your day-to-day experience compare? Yeah, um, actually, in my uh, in my postdoc, I didn't have that experience um, because the postdoc is for um, PhD economists to train. Mm-hmm. In my current um, capacity, I actually don't have that experience because I am the only economist <laughs> in the division. Wow. Um, which you know can be a gift and a curse, right? because I work collaboratively. I work better collaboratively. Traditionally, economists are kind of known to prefer working individually. They don't want to be bothered. They want to sit in their office, sit in their cube. They want to crunch the numbers. They want to bury themselves in the literature. They want to figure out some things and they don't want to be bothered. Mm. I am of a generation of economists and I just believe starting in the mid 2010s we started to sort of see a shift in this in this space um i'm of, of a generation of economists who like interaction with other people and we like doing um inter and uh, multidisciplinary work right um we like working with public health folks we like working with msws we like working with sociologists um you know sometimes it's a little bit hard for us to communicate the value of what we do, but we enjoy that. And, and so, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a whole new, it's a, it's a big shift. So I don't necessarily experience, I don't, I don't have to experience code switching, um, too severely in my current space. I mean, I code switch a little bit because I am a black girl from the South side. So clearly (laughs) there are some things, (laughs) you know, um, yeah, there, there, there's a little bit there, but the beauty in my current, in my current position is that I get to define it the Mm. way that I, that I want to see it. And I just lucked up on that. Uh, Previous to my current work, I was at the social security administration and, um, and I was an economist there and I worked with other economists and, uh, or I tried to. 
there were many that I worked with that didn't want to be, <laughs> they didn't want to be bothered. And uh -huh. so that's, that's when I encountered, you know, just the, what I call sort of the old guard of econ. Um, and um, it was, it was kind of like pulling teeth there. And that did require a little bit of code switching because I was the only black woman economist. Right. Which I just kind of keep going back to this. Um, before I accepted the offer for my current position, I was very hesitant because I knew I was going to be the only black person in my branch. And I, and I knew I was going to be the only economist in the division and for sure the only black economist. Right. And mm -hmm. so it took a lot of thought, prayer, thoughts, prayers, um, a few cocktails. Shots of Hennessy. Okay, okay. All right. Just wanted to be clear. Not him, though. Ken is trouble. Not him. Uh, Hennessy is from when she meets up with the rest of those pink and greens. Oh, bro. Listen, man. She, I, hold up. Listen, you see, I like you see, you see, you I don't see, know what the hell is wrong with him. Listen, she didn't question. say no. She didn't say no. So she knows what time she knows. Go, go ahead, go, go ahead, ahead, Crush. Go ahead, Crush. Answer your question, bro. Go ahead, Crush. You, you, mentioned, your boy. you mentioned that this uh, new generation of economists is more collaborative, correct? Yes. So I, I think mean, so. that's my opinion. So I, I guess there was definitely some kind of gap between what economists were doing and what was going on in the world. I mean, do you see any other gaps between in your field and with what's going on in reality? There generational gaps, there are racial gaps, there are gender gaps. I mean, absolutely for sure. You know, getting a PhD in econ, um, it's like you all said, there, there isn't a whole lot of diversity there in that space. Um, I think someone mentioned it's, it's kind of the old white man's that was big. arena. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm I mean, sure it affects the work, right? Say that again? I'm sure it affects the work itself. Um, I guess it depends on what you do. If you are... You Crush, can... Crush is trying to get you in trouble. He knows that you got to go back and work with these old white men. Don't, don't let him set you up. I have this talking about numbers. Numbers here. Numbers. There, there are no old white, old white economists that I work directly with right now. So... Okay. Oh, God bless um, you. That's what's up. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, you know, many of them are getting to retirement age, right? But they're so in love with the work that they don't that they don't leave, you know. Um, so it, it, I think it really just depends. I think in the in the realm of academia, you might still have that, um, but on the government side, and I can't speak to industry. To private industry, okay. I don't know any. I don't think I know anyone on that side. Everyone that I know is either in academia or their um, government. Yeah, the government. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and the government side is a bit more diverse. I know a couple. Maybe I know. I know one um, black woman economist on the academic side, and she's at Howard. Um, and there there are some right, and they have their own community. So I can't speak to what that what that work is like being around kind of the old guard. Just, I can only speak from, from the perspective of the government econ side. And um, I was just lucky to be at some pretty progressive agencies. I was at CDC. They are pretty progressive, right? So, you know, I'm surrounded by young, um, brilliant, 
um, well-trained, degreed folks who really are dedicated to the work. And then we right? Like, so it's, I've, I've just lucked up. I haven't seen what I saw in graduate school in my workspace so much. And I'm, I'm, I'm just really fortunate in awesome. that regard, I think. Interesting. Interesting. All right. We're going to get you out on this one. Okay. If there was one thing that you wanted to tell black people about being an economist or that black people should be aware about as it pertains to the economy, what would that be? That's a great question. We try to hit. We try to hit you with the hard, the hard. Yeah, uh, hard what what yeah, do we need to understand the most? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not asking you to come in here and then break down triple down <laughs> economics or anything. I just, no, that would be great. Go ahead. You know what I would share? And this is this is gonna be a. This might be controversial. This is gonna be a plural. No, no, don't here. get yourself hey, in trouble. You. Okay. We don't do controversy. We can take it. We can take it. Black people generally have a distrust for the government, especially for government surveys, like the census yeah. or, or other surveys that, that we administer, like the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, or like the yeah. Behavioral Risk Factor Surveillance yeah. Survey, or like mm -hmm. the Youth Risk Factor Surveillance Survey, right? Yes. There's usually a distrust with that. As an economist that works for the federal government, sure. We actually use those data a lot. It's probably the crux of our work so that we can understand, try to explain, predict us, uh, explain and predict behavior and decision making for certain populations up to and including black people. And the work that we do directly informs policy. And so when the data are not there, right, when we as a people don't participate, it makes it really difficult for us to create, uh, mm. go, go to the evidence to understand what really mm. needs to be done. Or to justify some of the policy requests that people yeah, are making. We're, we're, invisible. we're basically invisible. Something else, right? Mm. Because because what we what we will as a community then say is that didn't help me. There's probably a reason it didn't help you, right? Mm. Um, so I don't know when the deadline for the census is. That's a huge. That's huge. Yeah, huge. Please fill out your census. The census actually does so many things beyond just counting you. Puts money into your community. Yeah. Puts money puts into your community. But also there are other there are other data sets. There's other data that they create from the census, like the American Community Survey, right? Um, that actually informs a lot of things about housing. The, oh housing, the Department of Housing and Urban and Development uses this survey a lot to conduct Damn. their research. Hmm. And so participating in things like that are just really impactful. You know, it was probably the most frustrating thing to me as a PhD student to work on a work on a project. Most of my stuff was on healthy eating and consumer behaviors and some type of outcome. Mm. It was it was the most frustrating to see that the, the survey would have to oversample black people because we didn't respond at rates that were 
similar to comparative to our counterparts to white people or when we were there were questions that we didn't respond to right and there are probably reasons for that but i would just implore us to really when people are trying to collect data they are not trying to um come after you right it it really is to help you and support you in the long run. So if there's anything I have to share, I'd, I'd share that. Feel you. your senses. <laughs> don't, don't. Dr. Christie. Real question, real quick. Why did you think that would be controversial? Because black people no, 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 warrants no, 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 out. No, no, no. Let, let her speak. Let her, she can talk. I'm curious about why she would think that would be controversial. Yeah. I, I, I thought that might be controversial because it is not always the case that we want to hear from one of us who works for the government or that we can trust one of us who works for the government. Understood. Um, but I went to school to do this thing to help make our lives better, to help make us healthier, to help and I'm still committed to that. That is the public service. Federal True. employees are not paid top rate, right? So, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was about to say it one more time. Yeah. One more time. <laughs> yeah. So it really is like, please do understand. It really is our commitment, particularly it's as, specifically it's my commitment as an economist to continue to do the work so I can see us thrive. It's the reason I went to graduate school in Hayes and got Hayes for four years. God bless you. <laughs> you made it. <laughs> I know sure. that Southside wanted to come out, though. Didn't it was going to come and out? No, like, oh, the backhand one time, This one time, it actually, the, actually the day that professor told me I would need him, I was in his office and he was sitting in a chair at his desk and I was standing up kind of over him. And he said he let those words come out his mouth, and he had the the snarkiest, very snide. And I had to look at him, and mm, I, I force myself to turn around, and I jet like I had to jet out of his office. Because <laughs> had I been there a second longer, mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been great. I was that's, poor. I didn't have bail money. That's, I dig it. That, that's yeah. not the South Side. That's, that's my the, life. I feel that's it. Not that's South Side. That's, that's yeah, the yeah, fact with the bail money. That's that's the AKA. Yeah. We all know it. Dr. Christy Scott, we really appreciate you taking the time yes, out. Thank you for sharing you this do. knowledge Very with much. us, man. We really appreciate mm -hmm. it. Uh, we are going to make sure to keep you in our Rolodex so the next time, that, uh, maybe after this election, oh, yeah. we'll We'll ping you and oh, ask yeah. you some additional uh, I, questions. Oh, I, I, I got, I got many questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Skeet, 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 and all that other stuff. Oh, thank brother. you, thank you, Doctor Scott. Oh, brother. Oh, thank y'all for having me. Thank you. We thank appreciate you. it. Appreciate it. <laughs> Take care, <laughs> fellas. Skeet, skeet. That's what they, that's, they uh, said. Something. Uh, skeet, uh, skeet, no skeet. We, we know our folks are going to correct me in the in the comments. Oh, they're going to they, they kill you. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite certain. I'm quite certain. <laughs> They're gonna kill you because when I when I announced that she was going to be on the show, all of her sister and came through. Oh like, lord! It was a big. It was a. It was a whole thing. It was a party. Yes, no doubt. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to be joined by um, attorney Jasmine A. Robinson, and uh, she's going to tell us why there's only 5%, uh, why the attorneys are only 5%, uh, black attorneys are only 5% of the population of attorneys in the United States. So stick around. We'll be right back with that. Come through, Jazz. All right, and welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. We really appreciate it. Right now, tonight, we have a very special guest that's going to be joining us. Uh, she is an entrepreneurship attorney, and uh, I'm just going to let her talk for herself. The incredible, the intelligent, Miss Jasmine A. Robinson Esquire. You know, you got to give her give her the claps up. Once yeah, you get that ESQ yeah. at the back of your name, <laughs> there's some things that start to happen. Yes, thank you. No doubt. Miss Robinson, we are familiar with who you are. Before our listeners, if you could please tell them a little bit about yourself and what you're all about. Yes. So I am attorney Jasmine Robinson. Oh, let me put this down a bit. I, I'm attorney Jasmine. This <laughs> right? The perfectionist. You know, I'm a lawyer, so we have to. Perfect. So we can see all of you. I can yeah, understand. right. That's what's up. That's what's up. That's, that's what it is. So, um, I am attorney Jasmine Robinson, and I am an entrepreneurship lawyer. But more importantly, I am a law school coach, working to increase five mm. percent of lawyers that are black. Um, in the United States of America. Um, I, I, I realized this issue when I was in law school myself and I thought about it and I said, you know what? I think this is why I'm graduating law school with so much debt because I didn't have any guidance. Mm. And so many don't feel like they have the guidance and they don't go to law school. So, you know, we have this 5%. I have this coaching brand. We're changing that. We've done over $2 million in law school scholarships. Mm, I have different products and services that help future lawyers through the entire process. Um, and then on the law firm side, I love entrepreneurship law, everything from trademarks to copyrights to contracts and everything in between. Okay. Okay. So you start from the premise of like getting them past the LSAT. How, how does this work or how does your process work? <laughs> Know your terminology, okay. <laughs> another he's, life. I was a paralegal, man. So don't even do that. You know he's what? not smart. Why don't you always? Don't, you know what? Just let, let the woman. Let the woman talk. Go, go, go ahead, Jasmine. <laughs> um. So I honestly, I help even earlier than that. Um. The moment wow. okay. someone um says I want to go to law school, you don't just sign up for the LSAT the next day. You're right. Um, so there's, I mean, the moment you want to go to law school, okay, why do you want to go to law school? Let's talk about it. You know, let's go to different pre-law fairs. You know, they just had the HBCU pre-law summit, um, mm -hmm. online and just, you know, get yourself familiar with, you know, just the field in itself. Okay. But let me ask you this then. Why specifically, I know that you're an attorney. I, I can, I can, I dig that, but why this push for more black attorneys? They say that the the field of lawyers is extremely saturated and God forbid you're like in New York or DC, it's oversaturated. So why the push for more black ones? Sure. Yeah. Right. Because 88% of the profession is white men. If you think about our criminal justice, yeah. yeah. White men. Black, I'm sorry. White men. 88% of our profession is white men. Wow. wow. So uh, diversity you know, is what leads to better policies, better 
um, opportunities and such, you know, better laws, you know, we have to be in the room, hmm. you know, why would a white man with straight hair argue for the crown act? Mm, I see. Mm. I can see that. I dig it. I dig it. Mm. Okay. What's been the biggest challenge that you've been facing so far, I guess, as you've gone on this expedition to get more black attorneys? White men in the room. <laughs> <laughs> you already got a problem with never mind. Let, let me know, they really don't bother me that much. I ain't gonna get them all that type of credit, you know. Believe <laughs> 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 my words, including 45, okay. <laughs> I would say the, the biggest hurdle um is is the mental side that people mm. battle. You know, I was the, I, I am the first lawyer in my family. Um, so I didn't have an as example to look to, or I didn't really have someone, you know, to lean on when I, when I was serious, seriously wanting to attend law school. Mm. Um, and then you have, you know, families who put a lot of pressure on you or, you know, will say, how are you going to pay for law school? Or, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, um, and then you have imposter syndrome. A lot of times, um, you know, we, we we get into law school and we the first day of law school, we still question if we should be there. Mm, mm. We, you know, we and not just that, but when I get pulled over, right, lawyer or not, I'm still just as scared as y'all. Right. Because guess what? I still gotta make it through the traffic stop before I can sue that officer and get yeah, yeah, yeah. So the mental side of being a black person, period, is rough. But you know, for right. my it, it, I, I can teach you strategy. I can teach you strategy, but can we get your mental right? Because mm. you have to look yourself in the mirror every day and, and believe you can do this. Believe you can get this scholarship. You know, be able to focus, put your anxiety and your fears to the side, which is hard to do as a, as a black person in America right now. So okay. how early? How early do you start trying to prepare people for it? Do you? Going to high schools at that age, when do you usually begin the process? Typically, I gear towards college students. So Jazz Talks Law started at Hampton University, the best fake HU. The fake HU, that's what it is. (laughs) Womp womp. (laughs) He's so disrespectful. I apologize for him. Go ahead. So, um, I I started with college students because, you know, that's when you're really having to take that next step to go on. That's like the earliest you can really take that next step to going to law school. Um, so I started there because, you know, I was just in their shoes. You know, I knew what it was like to have to study for this test and people are saying they get in tutors and, you know, mama said, you better go in that room like you know like we it is it's college is really where you have to where you have to catch them um and then of course i coach future lawyers who um have graduated like college 10 years ago you know i have a career change or whatever but i love 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 um the college experience i started an event called hampton talks law and um you know just pouring into those future lawyers it, it's it was life-changing and i eventually decided um i couldn't practice full-time and i had to do this full-time mm, i see that i can see that what's who's the oldest person well not specifically but what is the oh, oldest person ask some black women their age again i told you about that shit last time 
You got to cut that shit out, bro. <laughs> Damn it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <clears throat> <laughs> Before I was rudely interrupted, uh, what has been or who has been the oldest person that you've helped to mentor? Because as we all know, going back to school, there's no age limit on that. And a lot of people don't really find their true calling until mm-hmm. maybe much later after they've graduated college. At that point, so. mm-hmm. Well, I'm actually um, coaching a future lawyer right now who's in her 30s. Okay. Um, she's studying for the law school admissions test. Okay. Um, she's approaching 40 though. So when she when she starts law school and, and graduate law school, she'll be in her 40s. More than likely she'll be the oldest person in the room. Mm, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> listen, so check this out. In the interest Boy, of full disclosure, can't help yourself. No, listen, listen to what I'm saying. I'm not, Boy, I'm not being disparaging. Shit. I'm not being disparaging. In Boy. the interest of full disclosure, you know, folks know that my wife is an attorney. And I know when she was going to law school, she went to Howard University. She married them. She married incredibly up. You <laughs> know that for a fact. I know you know that. But I know when she got there, she was saying that they're like the oldest person that she had in her class at the time. And this is out of all of her classes over the span of the three years was, I believe, like in their 50s. So I'm thinking about folks that they've had this passion in them for how many years, been actually been in the work field for how many years. And then finally it was like, OK, you know what? I I just got to do this. I'm going to go to law school. Yeah. yeah, yeah I've yeah. doctors, like medical doctors, go back to law school. There was one in the, in the class before me. Um, one of my classmates, she had grandkids. You know, some are yeah. firefighters. Yeah. But honestly, there's this myth that most people in law school are straight out of college, and that's just not true. They huh. even call me a straight thrower, like in a derogatory way. I get you. I get you. Wouldn't study as hard because we're still in college mode. And then I went on to graduate law school with honors. So, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> but that's what that's what's up. Now, I've already asked you what the biggest challenge has been. Mm-hmm. What has been the biz, uh, I guess the biggest or most fulfilling success that you've had through this process? Um, the most so. Um, again, I graduated law school with a ton load of debt. Oh yeah. Um. So, I, and I know what that debt can do to you post-graduation. Like, for example, sure. I closed on a house. And mm. thankfully, I, thank God, I was able to close on my house despite my student loans. But mm. it was a lot harder, you know, sure, to qualify. Sure. Right? Oh, we see you. We see you doing real good for yourself. All that debt you still close. Okay, okay. Brag a little bit. Brag a little bit. Brag a little bit. <laughs> off okay literally okay yeah no doubt, so no doubt. My, my my point is you know it's not just about going to law school on a scholarship it's about preventing you from having these financial burdens you know where are the the financial wealth gap and all of that mm-hmm. already so far apart and things like paying for mm-hmm. law school or to you know tuition for college or whatever it just it just increases that gap and a lot of times we think we have to personally pay for law school, but mm. we do not. My, one of my future lawyers, she got $104,000. Literally, she didn't have to worry about anything. Like, it's so possible, but our families are telling us, like, oh, we can't pay for law school. And it's like, they don't even realize, like, you don't sure. have to pay for it. Like, my future lawyers, mm. I have so many um, example uh, scholarship letters from their law schools, 96000 104 you know, 120, like it's so possible. It's so possible. So the, the biggest 
the most amazing thing is just preventing so many financial burdens and mm. still having these future lawyers achieve mm. their goals. Mm. Mm. Now, we've asked you about the challenges. We've asked you about the successes. What has been, I guess, the most what have you heard the most often from your students, from these folks that you're leading? Like some of their complaints or just some of the things that you hear more often than anything else? Um, well, you know what? I um, I talk through future lawyers, like why they're going to law school. Like I ask them why, and I get some of the same responses. And what I do, um, you know, like in my workbooks um, and all of my, my master classes, like all of my um, products that I have available is I teach them how to craft a better answer for why they're going to law school. But the one I hear all the time, or, you know, I wanted to go to law school, but mm, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. from tuition to the length and time in school to jobs to this, this, yeah. that, that is like the, like, I get all of the excuses, all of the excuses you could, I mean, that, you know, we could, we could probably talk about for hours. Mm-hmm. Um Outside of that, I get, I want to go to law school because um, of SVU or how to get away with murder. <laughs> you know, one of the, uh, you know, TV shows. They know. You're not even serious. Huh? No, she's serious. She's serious. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's it's innocent because I was the same way. Like, I saw all those TV shows. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be like a lawyer like that. But in, in, in practice, right? It's not like that, you know, especially when get away with murder. Those students would never be jobs that they had them on there doing. Right, right, right. Now, you said that you do, that you practice entrepreneurship law. Please tell us a little bit of what that entails, like how you lead folks with that. So, you know, I feel like we all have our ways of contributing to the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, And in addition to coaching future lawyers, um, I feel like my other contribution is working with and growing black brands. So, and but more so specifically in the legal in the legal um, realm. So, I do everything from I, I, I protect brands like hmm. trademarks to copyrights to if you need a service agreement, you know, in any type of contract really. Um, but my whole goal is to make sure that we have our legal parameters in place um, because what happens a lot of time in the black community is our businesses, well, it's not that we don't have a good product. It's not that we don't have a good service or whatever. A lot of time, it's it's kind of just pulled up from under you because of some yeah. uh, loophole or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you didn't file the trademark and now they own the brand and they're limiting your growth. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, you know, a lot of times it's, it's the little things that um, we don't know because 5% of lawyers are black and because we don't have lawyers in each of our families to, you know, be that, that person we turn to, um, a lot of times our businesses don't either become what they should become or they end up closing or whatever. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm really passionate about working with, you know, black owned business owners. I mean, I work with everyone from event planners <laughs> to, um, I have a, um, Podcasters. An apparel line. What you say? I didn't he said podcasters. He's trying to. He's hinting at something. Come on now. Why not? <laughs> I mean, but I work with everyone, and just seeing the growth and the security you get, you feel when you get a trademark, for example, um, it's it's awesome. 
Outside of the details, I guess people sometimes missing the details. What else do you see as a challenge for someone who's trying to start, start a, a business? Um, well, I can definitely speak on speak on this generally, but also specifically when I think about myself. Um, I think the biggest hurdle that I got over really quickly, thankfully, is the is the idea that you have to have the perfect business, the perfect mm. business product, the perfect service, you know, being perfect in, in the perfect social media post, or you pay all this extra money for a $10,000 website. In re- reality, you only, you could have did that yourself, you know, mm. let's, let's, grow. let's, let's grow, you know, your budget will increase eventually. You can do more and do more, mm. but if it, it, and a, a lot of it goes back to this idea that it has to be so perfect. Um, so I, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, I, I never really got caught up on that. You know, I wanted to get it done. You know, mm-hmm. if you really wanted to be perfect. You're probably never going to launch it. Um, so, you know, I, I think a lot of problems in general really just goes back to our mentality, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, as you're talking about, I guess the, the process that you've taken your, your students through, right? Mm-hmm. How far does that how far does that process go? Do they now graduate your course mm-hmm. and then you still do mentorship afterwards or how does that work? Yes. So it's so cool because as of now I have, I think I have like four or five future lawyers that are lawyers. Like it's so cool. So like, you got stuff under your belt. I see that. That's what's up. Yeah. Like these are like my babies. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Hold up! How you go? How you be? How you look like a baby? You still? You talk about you got babies? I got babies. Oh, okay, okay. I'm gonna oh, let you roll with it. Go ahead. Uh, Shut yeah, up, yeah. L. I am I'm almost 29 years old. Okay. I'm sorry. You said what? What? What you say? I'm almost 29 years old. So when I said she was a baby, you thought I was messing around? She is. She, Listen, bro, I, I ain't got nothing to say, bro. Let the lady go. Okay, go, 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 go ahead. Go ahead, Jazz. So, I mean, so the, the, it really never ends, honestly. You know, um, the minute, you know, you want to come a lawyer tonight, it's because it's not just about you getting to law school. Right. It's about you graduating law school with honors, you graduating law school with, you know, little to no debt. Now, and then when you do that, it's about you passing the bar exam. Like, what can I do yeah, to help? Yeah. And then it's about, okay, you're a lawyer. We can actually go to networking events together. Like, we can put each other on, you know. Um, This is a, there's really, in my mind, there's no beginning and end. Do you really push for, do you really push for uh, your students to take and pass the bar? Because there's so many people that go to law school, but still use that education without passing the bar and becoming certified, so to say. This depends on what their what their um what their career goals are. I mean, obviously, if you want to be in the courtroom, then you got to take the bar. If you want to practice law, then and I, I would say, mm, I want to say ninety percent of my future lawyers want to go to law school because they want to do stuff that a lawyer, you know, you have to be, mm-hmm. um, you have to pass the bar to do. Um, but that's not. I mean, like you said, there's so much you can do um, outside of you know practicing. Such as law school coaching. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally up to them. But I would say most of them, I've never got that question before because most of them want to practice. Hmm. Okay. What's been the strangest story that you've gotten about someone who said that they want to become an attorney? Or the strangest person. 
Let's let's be real. Lawyers are a special breed of people, boys. Lawyers are a special breed of people. That's special. I mean, you you, you know it too, right? Um. Well, I'm I'm gonna take my own spin on strange. Okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think the strangest thing that a future lawyer has has asked me is um could they wear their natural hair in the courtroom oh that's heartbreaking yeah like i want to get to the point where that's that's a strange question question that unfortunately we have to ask or we some people feel like they they have to ask but i get to the day i hope we get to the day where someone says that and you look at them strange like what you mean you can't wear your natural hair like Kind of like what, like it grew out your head like that, like what? Right. Yeah. Damn. Damn it, Jess. I know she's. I was hoping that she was going to. Yeah, I was leave with, some weird leave with shit, something you know? lifted. She, she make me close, feel close inside out. <laughs> make it smell me. like Hennessy. Something. Damn it. <laughs> no, I don't have nothing like that. <laughs> Do that to them. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Robinson. We appreciate you taking the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I know that you've got a busy schedule and many minds to mold. But before we get out of here, please tell folks how they can find you if they'd like to find you. So if you want to find me, I would say the easiest way is, uh, well, one of two things. You can either just search 5% of Lawyers of Black and you will find me like anything. It's trademarked. So, you know, anything. (laughs) (laughs) Go to be me when you find it. Um, but then also Jazz Talks Law on all social media at Jazz Talks Law, J-A-S-T-A-L-K-S-L-A-W. Um, and jazztalkslaw.com. I mean, everything is pretty much the same. You know, I'm very accessible. Um, as far as things I have coming up, so um, I uh, recently launched a new partnership with an LSAT prep company called Blueprint. Um okay. Yeah, they had a moment where they realized there was so much more that they should be doing in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement, and they decided to bring me on board. And I, and I, you know, I was very stern and very like not sugarcoating anything with them because we had to get them, you know, we had to all get on the same page. Like, why, why are we doing this, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And now that we're all on the same page, and we came up with this great program, we're giving away scholarships, we're giving away LSAT prep courses and different things. So I mentioned all that. Because um, we're having an event on October 10th at 3 p.m. It's virtual. And if you subscribe to my email list by visiting jazztalkslaw.com, I'll be sending that information out again. And not just that, but I send out scholarship announcements and just a lot of helpful information for the future lawyer. That's what's um, yeah, so just visit jazztalkslaw.com. You can subscribe um, to the website. And then, of course, support awareness you know let's not spread mm. the virus let's spread awareness to the fact that five percent of lawyers are black uh, you can do that with my merch on my website jazztalklaw.com literally whenever i wear this shirt and one of my other hoodies or whatever there's at least one person that say that says to me is that real mm. literally and i sometimes <laughs> and it starts conversation you know it's mm-hmm. like, like wait five percent and i'm like Oh, I forgot my shirt on. And I kind of like, mm. <laughs> you know, I have to step into it. So, of course, if you are the future lawyer that wants to go to law school, um, because of this great conversation that I'm having with y'all, I put together a discount code 
Um, oh, shit. The Black. So for your audience, anyone that's listening right now, you can go on my jazztalkslaw.com website. You can check out the merch. You can also check out my workbook. So I have a personal statement workbook, a diversity statement workbook, plenty of resources, and you can use discount code in the black for 15% off. That's what's up. Okay, okay. Okay. Thank y'all for having me. No, no doubt. We appreciate you taking the time out. Thank you so much. Uh, We'll make sure that all of our folks get all of your information again throughout the course of the week and throughout the course of the show. So thank you once again, Ms. Robinson. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank y'all. No problem. Have a great one. Bye. All right. Right about now is the time when we'd like to give you little tidbits of news or words of wisdom that you can take with yourself into the week. So, Crush, what's up, man? Man, I uh, I just want to send a little shout out to Disney Plus for making a, a major move by casting a, a newcomer uh, in the role of Kamala Khan for Disney Plus. I believe her name is uh, uh, what was her name? Jeez. Oh yeah, Iman Vellani. Uh, unfortunately, uh, in the same breath, I hope she still has a job because the girl got so mad at people doubting her, she posted pieces of her script online. Jesus Christ! So uh, good luck to you, young lady. I hope you're still employed. <laughs> L, what's up, man? Uh, I have been pretty critical of this dude over the years. Uh, and I'm talking about the Colin Kaepernick. Uh, but recently he has done something that has really, really been a fantastic thing. Colin Kaepernick has created and started a publishing company. And within that publishing company, one of the first pieces that he's done is a number, I think it's over 40 pieces where they are going to be explaining, walking through, and teaching on what abolition actually is. And what abolition is, meaning in this regard, abolishing the police. He has had some of the top minds so far involved in this piece, man. I mean, I went into it reading it expecting to be eh, overly critical, but I left blown away, Hmm. particularly in his piece where he actually acknowledges some of the missteps missteps that he made early on in his boycotting mm. uh, and how he learned and grew. It was absolutely wonderful. So check it out, man. It's out there on Medium. You can find it on Medium. Oh, Medium. No doubt. What's up for me this week, actually, and this goes out is a shout out to one of our hosts, man. Um, Elgin, I got to give you a shout out today uh, because of the efforts that you've done and created on the behalf of your brother, Chad, uh, it is probably one of the most honorable and heartfelt things that I've ever been in the proximity of. I can't say how, I can't say enough how proud of you I am. If you could please tell folks a little bit about the foundation that you started. Uh, Me and my siblings have started a foundation on behalf of my brother, Chad. Uh, who was murdered by a member of the Coatesville Police Department back in March of 1996. Uh, We're in the process of making sure that this is done properly with the LLC 501c3 uh, to actually live out some of the things Chad did not get an opportunity to do. It's been an incredibly difficult task. It's been an 
I can't even tell you how many tears that I've dropped uh, just fighting this battle, man. And uh, it's been incredibly difficult. But mm-hmm. thank you, bro, for the shout out. I appreciate it. No doubt. No doubt. Crush, where can people find you if they want to find you, man? Oh, man, they can find me on Instagram at the Orange Crush with a K or SB Methods, where uh, me and my guys are about to drop our album, The Breathe Album by the Amphibians, Volume 1. No doubt. No doubt. My man hey, dropping albums called Volume One. Listen, bruh. listen. Oh, I'm only, not even on this one. I'm just hosting. Listen, only other person I know that dropped this many albums back to back was Lil Wayne, like in the early 2000s. Hey, it's not E40, bro. My bad. I mean, I'm just. I didn't even produce on this one. I just. I'm just supporting my guys doing their thing. Uh huh. That's what he says now. That's what he said. Humble brag, right there. Real humble brag. You're gonna get like three bonus tracks at the end of the channel. You'll see some. No doubt. L, where can people find you if they want to find you, man? At Elgin Bailey on Twitter, Instagram, and the Facebook. No doubt. And I'm Big O, Mr. In the Black himself. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at MR underscore in the black. And I want to thank you guys once again for joining us for another incredible episode of the In the Black podcast. We could have been anywhere else in the world, but you chose to kick it with us and we appreciate it. Please, if you like what we're doing, Make sure you share this out with your friends and family. Bring them along. If you like listening to uh, intelligent conversations and having a little bit of fun along the way, make sure to be a uh, subscriber to the show. And uh, as always, informed, intelligent, in the black. In the black. In the black. Peace. Peace. This is, this is the In the Black Podcast. In the Black, bro. Hands <laughs> down, one of the best podcasts I ever heard, though. I like y'all, Bretchen, what up? I read a black up, Bretchen. Listen, in the black podcast, that your lad is all facts. You don't like that, the fall back. In the black podcast, don't talk trash. Switch fast if you ain't raw, then you're whack. Informed, intelligent elements, always relevant. Not for the weak and delicate. This is eloquent excellence. We are setting the precedence. Rest of them are excrement. In the black podcast, the truth like the testament. Don't know, black up, he bro, man, a specialist. No what the podcast broadcast, y'all best with this. Like, said they might cheat, who no tweet, so effortless. I listen, them, I learn, man, them listen, them, I benefit. Report current event, everything that is prevalent. This is so exquisite, a scientific experiment. Giving you the news, not views without evidence. Telling you the truth, sentiments without embellishments. Relax, these are the facts, bringing them to your residence. In your house, in your tenement, listen to hear intelligence. Body filled with Power that's so ascending, bright in the stars, bringing some light back to the desolate. In the black podcast, that your land is all facts. You don't like that before. In the black podcast, they fucked up. Who looks at what's black up here? Chuck me down. In the black podcast, that your land is all facts. You don't like that before. In the black podcast, we all lost. They will not let them count. None of them will count. Just like that, Black himself. This is. This is.